This is the Ebb and Flow Podcast with Ide Bailey, where you'll find inspired insights on forward movements in the middle market. Now let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to Ebb and Flow. I'm your host, Clinton Larson, and today we're going to be continuing our conversation about leadership in the workplace. And joining me to talk about that topic is Dave Stendy, the managing partner and CEO of Ide Bailey. Welcome to the podcast, Dave. Good to be here, Clinton. So like I said, we've been talking about leadership in the workplace for the last few episodes, and we thought this would be a good topic to bring you on to discuss because for our listeners who don't know, Dave is retiring in May after nine years as managing partner and CEO of Ide Bailey. The firm has seen tremendous growth and change in those nine years, um, and I imagine the last couple of years have been the biggest curveball that you've ever had to experience in your career. Um, so I thought maybe that would be a good place to start our conversation. Um, you know, when you look back on the the last nine years, what are some of the top lessons that you've learned as a leader and how did those help you through what I'm guessing is one of the most challenging or some of the most challenging years of your career? Yeah. So I became the CEO uh, nine years ago. And prior to that, I was the chief operating officer for seven years. So I've been involved in firm management for a good long time. So when I became the CEO, you know, I I really was mentored well by my predecessor, Jerry Topp. And I thought, well, this is this will be a piece of cake. <laughs> and um, I know everything there is to know. This will be easy. You know, one thing I've learned is the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. And and I can look back on the nine years and realize um, at, at the beginning, probably I was a little naive about a few things. Um, and I learned. And the more I learned, the more I realized, man, there's a lot I don't know. And, um, you know, I, I think in a way that probably helps because it, it it certainly grounds you and it probably opens your mind to really hearing the opinions of others because you don't know all the answers and you need to build a good team um, and you need to rely on their input and, and trust their decision making in the process too. So I, I think um, that certainly helped in my transition over over the last nine years in this CEO role. So related to what you just said about, you know, what you don't know and building a team that can help you fill in those gaps. I imagine, you know, going through a pandemic is something that nobody knew how to do when we started. So maybe can you walk us through some of that uh, experience? Like, what was that like trying to, you know, try to lead a firm in in what is just, you know, I unprecedented is, is just been overused with this. But I mean, it really was. I mean, this is something that none of us had ever experienced before. So what was it like to try to lead a firm through something like that? Um, it was an incredible time. And, and you know, I like to joke, hey, our firm's 105 years old, so this isn't our first pandemic. We had the Spanish <laughs> flu in 1919, but good point, good point. We, 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 we couldn't find the playbook. So we kind of had to make it up as we went. You know, the lessons that I took away from that was, I mean, there was this deep concern and uncertainty and worried about not only your health, but your financial security and what was going to happen, this big unknown. And, um, you know, I think it, it really enhanced the, the communication aspect, just communicating to our people, communicating to our partners, communicating with our management team and trying to work our way through it. And communication with, you know, I, I tried to put a little optimism in there, but also reality in there and not um, 
not hiding the concerns that that lay lay in front of us and um you know you think of hey we might have to do some cuts here and being honest with our people with the information that we had at the time because as we went through this the information changed constantly right. and and probably that was another aspect is you make decisions based on the best information at the time you've got to be decisive you've got to be make decisions quickly but you also can't be stuck with those decisions and you have to adapt as the information keeps changing and it kept changing on a daily and weekly basis in the early times of the pandemic um so overall uh, it was a good experience um um i think I, I feel good about the experience and i think it taught me some leadership skills and and you know, on top of the pandemic, shortly thereafter, we had the whole racial issues that came to forefront with George Floyd, and that, that just compounded it. And and I think that also helped. I, I, I like where we've went over the last two years from a diversity and inclusion standpoint. Um, so you take those two events together, and, and they were, yeah, the most challenging um, events that I certainly had in my nine years as a CEO, you know, normally when you step into the role, you expect, hey, there will be a recession at some point. Well, mm -hmm. this was completely um, different and off the charts. Yeah. And you, you brought up a few things that yeah, I've heard other people talking about when they talk about leadership right now. This this the, the adaptability, having to just be comfortable with change, um, the transparency that we've sort of um, been expecting now of of uh, the companies we work for, the leaders that we work with. And also, as you mentioned, you know, just like this sort of cultural shift in terms of like talking about things in the workplace that we've never talked before, like diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, so all of this is obviously a lot of change management. So I was, I'm curious, like, what are some of the fundamentals that you lean on when you when you have to lead through change? What are some of the things that you make sure are, are or have been a bedrock for you as you've led through change throughout your career? Um. You know, I, I look at that, um, there's that bell-shaped curve of people's adaptability to change. And so you, you have to realize you've got a segment, you've got a third that absolutely don't want to do it. And a third that would think, hey, we're changing too slow. And it's really that big middle group that, that you've got to explain the whys. And when we talk about change, I think it's a certain amount of courage it takes from a leadership perspective as far as sticking to your guns and, and pushing that change along, knowing that there'll be a lot of detractors along the way, but you, you know, you've got to accumulate the information, make the, the best decisions possible. Um, again, I go back to, I think one of the keys of good leadership is being decisive, being decisive, but willing to adapt along the way. And with change, I think it also takes a lot of communication. You know, the old adage, people have to hear it 10 times. <laughs> you also have to be pushing on what's in it for them. Why is this change good for them in the long term, even though there might be some short-term pains associated with it? So uh, probably communication is the whole key to that and perseverance. 
those are all great skills that I feel like, you know, we, we, we look to in our leaders and that bring, kind of brings me back to like what you were talking about when you said, you know, when you started this, you all of a sudden realized there was all these things you didn't know that you had to learn then. I'm curious, um, you know, in terms of like yourself, like learning about yourself and learning, you know, what you needed to develop, you know, and sort of getting to these skills of being decisive, but able to adapt. What are some of the things you've learned uh, being a leader in the workplace that uh, about yourself that maybe you didn't anticipate? You know, the whole thing is a, is a big, long journey because my first, I'd say, leadership role was uh, audit department head. And man, that was probably like 27 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I look back now, I wasn't leading the department. I was managing the department. And just, you know, from an earlier earlier age, just learning the difference between leadership and management. And it's the evolution of leading is much more focused on not managing the people, but leading the people, uh, empowering people and, um, you know, giving them responsibility and and nurturing them and mentoring them along the way. That's that's a big part of the leadership aspect. And probably the other aspect is is really looking forward more than looking back. When you're managing, you're managing by what are the numbers we had, what's on the schedule, that sort of thing. And, you know, from a leadership standpoint, and I think that's where the skills get enhanced the more you do it, is what's the vision look like five years from now? And how are we going to get there? And the, and the steps that we need to take to get to where we want to be. And um, it, and so it's enhancing those skills about the people development side and also that whole visioning side and strategy. I think that's a great analogy that management tends to be focused on what's what came before and that, you know, leadership is more about looking ahead. So in terms of looking looking ahead and trying to, you know, hone that vision, what are some of the skill sets that a good leader needs in order to to be able to do that effectively? Obviously, you know, like nobody has a crystal ball, right? So what are some of the things that leaders can do to help, you know, look ahead in a way that's that's meaningful and takes into account the goals that they have today? And, and like you said, the adaptability that they need to maybe succeed in those goals. One skill I think is extremely important is just this natural curiosity. And with that natural curiosity and the desire to keep learning and and, um, you know, as you look ahead, it's, it's a lot of reading. It's a lot of listening to podcasts. It's it's however you you choose to learn um, just to get the various perspectives of, of different experts in the field and, and then having those conversations with, you know, locally with your management team and talking through it. And, you know, what are the unintended consequences and obstacles and it's just just general knowledge of learning 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 and always being curious about what's going to happen when you look back at 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 your tenure here uh, at Ide Bailey what are some of the things that you that you saw coming what are some of maybe the things that you didn't see coming you know in terms of like the changes we've had and and you know and just in maybe the industry and also you know the accounting industry but also just like the business world well um you know, when I go back 20 some years ago, I was probably not a big change agent. And one of the things I'm proud of that I saw coming was we bought our first fax machine. And I, I said, <laughs> this is stupid. We don't need this. And it turns out 20 years later, we didn't need it. So you know, I feel good about that aspect. 
No, you're right. You are absolutely right. The fax machine was something that we didn't, we, we turns out we didn't need, but in terms of like, you know, I'm thinking about technology, you know, uh, you know, when the internet started and things like that, you know, what are some of the things that, you know, like I said, when you look back on your tenure here, what are some of the things that you could have, you saw sort of things were shifting in, in a certain direction, you know, or what are some of the things that just totally were, you never considered would be part of what you do, you know, nine years ago? Looking back over nine years, in that time frame, you knew technology was going to advance quickly. Um, you know, looking at Gartner curves of what new technologies are coming, and you're always thinking how to implement those in the practice. You know, the one thing that probably surprised me was I thought in certain aspects we'd be further along now than we currently are. If I go back five years ago mm-hmm. and, you know, the intelligent assistance, let's take like an Alexa. I really thought by this time that would be incorporated in our business and we'd all be using those on our desk to really make ourselves more efficient. So I'm kind of surprised mm-hmm. some of that has been slower. Now, on the flip side, and this is probably driven more by the pandemic, the how we do business and the whole virtual world in which we live, whether it's Zoom technologies or or just the remote working tools that we have, I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. It was there, it was available, but it took it took a disruption like like the pandemic to move that along. So some things I think went quicker than I anticipated, and some things actually a little slower than I would have thought over the last few years. And if I could put you on the spot a little too, like, you know, if you look ahead now, five years, what do you get the sense of what's going to happen with, you know, the accounting industry, maybe specifically, or like I said, or, or the business world? What are some of the things you think might be, uh, you know, what does accounting look like in five years? What are What does business look like in five years? I do think there will be uh, major strides in um, the automation of, of some of the lower level work. You know, we've seen snippets of that. That that would be one area over the last five years I thought was going to move faster. But at some point in time, I think it's it's going to be like a hockey stick and it'll happen very quickly. And, you know, I think that'll have an impact on the accounting profession, but business as a whole, because and I think the, the d- disruptive thing that's going to make it into a hockey stick is it is just so difficult to get people and mm. we have to automate some of those tasks. And mm. you certainly see that in oh, the, the fast food restaurant uh, area, for example, where you have to order through the kiosks. It's mm. eliminating some of those more menial tasks that no one really likes to do anyway. And then the challenge is, well, how do you develop people quicker to do the more meaningful tasks that, that really require the intelligence and some expertise. How do you get those people up to speed? That that's where the challenge is. But I I look mm-hmm. at that as more exciting. I think um, I think it will enhance the uh, work experience for a lot of people to to get those better experiences earlier on in their careers. We've just been talking about the future, so I'd, maybe I'd like to take you back now. When you look back at when you started with the firm, you know what was the firm like when you started. When I started uh, 40 years ago, we had, uh, I think, four offices, and we had um, 
hundred and some people, you know, compared to now 40 some offices and a 2,700 people. It's quite a difference there. But I started as an auditor and, um, you know, obviously everything was all paper. We had big audit bags we had to carry. It really helped bulk, bulk me up a little bit, make <laughs> made my arms a little longer. Um, and, and the two pieces of technology that I joke about that we had was a 10 key calculator and a mechanical pencil. Those were kind of the two uh, innovative things that we had. It wasn't until oh, probably my fourth year with the firm, we got our first computer, which was, I don't even know what brand it was. It had the little screen that you could barely see and <laughs> weighed 34 pounds. And, uh, you know, it really didn't do much. So it, it, it's amazing the, the uh, transition that I've seen over the 40 years. You know, the one thing that hasn't changed is the culture that we have in the firm and going back to those 40 years and the people that mentored me, which firm was a lot smaller when they started. It's that same, same sort of culture that we have about, you know, our people come first and it's caring for the people and trying to make a, a, a family relationship even as we've grown, uh, that's one of the things I'm, I'd say I'm most proud of is we've been able to keep that great culture that we have as a firm through all the changes that have taken place, both in terms of the size and just how we how we operate, you know, with technology and those sort of things. That, that's a great point. Uh, and it's something that we've talked about in the previous episodes about leadership is just how important culture is now for the next generation coming up and for the, you know, the new people we're going to be adding to the workplace and and also just like in this new era of you know hybrid workplaces which is something you know that's likely not ever going to go away um you know more people working from home more remote uh work happening in terms of keeping a culture intact when you're leading through change because like you said the firm is you know it's tremendous growth in 40 years and even in, in your tenure as ceo you know we're talking doubling the firm um, and keeping that culture intact what are some of the ways that you that you helped keep that intact? What are some of the tips you would give leaders to, to make sure that they're creating a culture that people want to be a part of? Yeah, first, you know, in our culture, I think um, we certainly talk about the team approach. And what I've always found about our firms is whether you're a partner with a lot of experience or a new hire, we're all teammates and we're all on the same team and we, we're all approachable. And, um, you know, our job as partners is to how do we help develop and mentor staff along the way and give them a great learning experience and helping them, whether they stay in the firm or go somewhere else. Um, you know, the commitment we have is we're going to enhance your skill set. And with that, it takes the mentoring. It, it's this relationship building uh, to help them along the journey. Now, as we go into a hybrid or more remote work environment, there's certainly challenges to that. And and I think that's been the struggle I've had over the last couple of years with the pandemic. And now that we've went into the hybrid model is, okay, we don't have to go back to the old way, but we still need that relationship building. And you know, that's why I'm a fan of the hybrid is don't have to be there five days a week, but there has to be some interaction 
to build those relationships, to have those casual conversations, which turn out to be, in a lot of cases, casual mentoring sessions. Without that relationship, that's difficult. So um, I know I, I sound a little old school, but if if people could be in, in the office three days a week and really make it intentional when they're there, that we're helping each other along the way and we're working together as a team, I think that goes a long way with the development of of the skills of our people, both the personal skills and the technical skills of our people. And 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 really that's that's what binds that culture together. Culture is about this really enjoying who you're working with. I mean that's the culture that we want. I enjoy the people I work with. And you, you've got to have a, a certain amount of personal relationship to really get that feeling. That's a that's a great perspective. And I, I wanted to ask you about the mentorship aspect you just you just mentioned there too. Um, you know, mentoring is one of those things that you often hear leaders talk about. You know, the mentors that they had, the mentors, the chance to you know mentor someone else. Um, can you talk a little bit some of your experiences, either being a mentor or 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 having a mentor that really taught you something and and just like how that how that helped you build your leadership skills? Yeah, I've thought a lot about the mentors throughout my career, and they're not the same. They 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 change, and I've reflected back on uh, from when I first started the mentors, and they got me to a certain point, and then there was others that sort of took me under their wing, and 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 that's probably the wrong way to say it because. I could say I've been mentored by people and they didn't know that they were mentoring me hmm. throughout the journey. There's, there's snippets from a bunch of people and not just people I work with. I'd say there's a number of clients that I have seen as whether you call them role models or mentors that I've learned from them uh, a number of aspects of just business aspects or how they interact with people and and some of the skills that they have that I've I've um, tried to emulate along the way. So, and as far as mentoring people, some I say I've done more intentional, and some probably unintentional like that also. But to me, part of mentoring is encouraging and and being honest and and when it comes to intentional, it's finding opportunities for those people to help them progress in those career in in their career i've done that for others and i know there's a number of people that have done that for me let's go back and talk about some of those client experiences that you mentioned because i feel like that's you know I, I hear this from you know other people in the industry about you know that you know the relationships people build with clients are often you know lifelong in some instances and and always memorable so i'm curious like what are some of the what are some of your favorite client stories or client experiences that you've had through the years well, Clinton, it's been a long time since I worked on clients, but um, <laughs> the clients I worked on, I did a lot of governments, I did a lot of utilities, and I did a number of commercial enterprises. And and they're different, and you learn differently from from all these different clients and leaders of those positions. When you talk about private business, there are some clients that I had that were just true entrepreneurs. Um, you know, one client I was really close with, 
I think he went broke three times, but he always had new ideas and he built a, uh, when I was working with him, his large successful business, he sold for a lot of money and he ended up retiring. But, you know, it, that would be some a client that really taught me about creating this vision and creating the excitement, getting people on board. And you talk about perseverance, man, this guy had the perseverance and, and the risk-taking aspect, willing to take a risk, not, not, not careless by any means, but understanding what the risks are and to succeed and to achieve his vision. Here's what he had to do. And um, I, I just admire admire him for what he did and and the perseverance that he had throughout his entire career. What about maybe some of your other memories of, you know, either as your time as, as managing partner and CEO or else just Ed Hyde Bailey, you know, what are some of your favorite memories through your career? Well, one of the funniest stories, and this gets back to, um, this is before we had email um, back in the 90s. So we put in a new phone system. And we put in this new phone system in like January, which it's a bad time of the year to be doing something. And and this phone system, Clinton, uh, this was the first time we ever had voicemail. So this is something new and exciting. Mm-hmm. So the um, it's getting to be towards the end of busy season, and we've had trouble with this phone system, and people from the phone company there they were there darn near every day it seemed and so it's it's getting towards the end of busy season and our administrative person arlene who sort of ran the firm she'd been there forever and you know you lived in little fear of arlene she's a nice lady but you lived in fear anyway and she came around with their inner office memos you know because it had to be typed and she would lay it on everyone's desk and she came into my desk and into my office and I'm on the phone with the client and she puts this inner office memo on my desk and I'm talking and I'm reading this and it says the people from the phone company will be here later this afternoon to blow out the phone lines. So uh, come to the front desk and get a paper uh, a plastic bag to wrap your phone in when they blow out these phone lines thinking, nah, I don't have time for this. It's busy season. <laughs> so I uh, finish my phone call. I have to leave for a meeting. So I, I just take my phone and I put it in my garbage can. And, I, you know, I walk out and she's at the front desk and I say, hey, Arlene, I, I just put my phone in the garbage can. Is that okay? And as I said that, I realized, hey, today is April 1st. <laughs> that April Fool's joke on me. So uh, we laughed about that one for quite a few. Years. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> uh, you know, but over the time, it, it's um, the best memories are just just the people I've worked with and the friends I made, and it's it's uh, it's been an incredible uh, incredible time. A lot of fun. Yeah, I know. I would imagine. Uh, and, um, you know, when you look towards, you know, what, what the future brings for you, any, anything on your list right now that you think you want to tackle right away? 
Well, right away, um, I'm going to the Kentucky Derby that first weekend I'm retired. So I'll try that. And if I don't become a professional uh, horse better, I will. Uh, I'm just kind of looking forward to taking a summer off. And I'm probably this fall, I'll reassess what do I want to do. Like to do something, but uh, something with a little slower pace than what I have been doing. Sure. That's understandable. So maybe to wrap up, Dave, I was curious, going into a time that maybe is going to be something close to normal again, you know, um, what advice would you have just for, for leaders right now in 2022 who are just trying to, you know, enter into uh, not only a new era, but also trying to just, get, you know, remember what it's like to be normal and remember what it's like to be uh, a leader in the workplace? Like, what advice would you give somebody right now? Yeah, that's a good question. Because certainly over the last two years, the world has changed and the world is never going back to what it was. You know, and that said, if I was to look at what are the skills that are important for a leader, I don't know if the skills change. Um, maybe there's a little different degree of emphasis on a few, but I, I still think the leader needs to um, make sure they have honest, transparent conversations and communication and i would say in this new world maybe the level of communication just needs to be enhanced um i would also say a leader still needs to have that uh curiosity and thirst for knowledge because the pace of change just continues to increase uh so much more quickly and that curiosity and 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 really uh soaking up the knowledge of of what are the trends and where are we going in the next five years from a business aspect um i think that's even more important than it was in a pre-pandemic world but um you know those are the attributes that i think have always been there that just probably need to be accelerated a little more in this new world in which we live Great advice. Great food for thought. Well, thank you very much, Dave, for being on the podcast. This has been a great conversation. And I'm sure I speak for everyone at the firm when I say thank you for your time here as, as a leader. And I wish you all the best of luck in the future. Thanks, Clinton. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Ebb and Flow podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. At I Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting, advisory, and technology services with your business in mind. Visit our website to access tools and resources tailored for you. iBailey.com slash ebbflow. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that iBailey LLP is not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. For audience questions and topic ideas, visit idbailey.com slash ebbflow. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash E-B-F-L-O-W. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to tune in next time.